Let's go ahead and turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 2. It is December. And everyone says, well, I knew that we would be going to a place in Luke, chapter number 2. Because this is the only time anybody ever preaches out of the book of Luke, chapter number 2. Well, for good reason, this is a good place. But I believe that you could preach it all time. Because I believe that Christmas could be every day. And should be every day in the life of a Christian. Uh, Because Jesus Christ is birthed into this world and gave his life for each and every one of us. And how wonderful it is to know that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, that came and bled on a cross for us and gave his life for us. That we might have eternal life and raised from the dead, praise the Lord, on that great day of Easter as well. We're so thankful for that. And a lot of people will say, well, Brother Shane, so many times, Luke chapter number 2, it just kind of gets old. Well, we read chapter number 2 of the book of Luke around my house every Christmas because we want to remind ourselves about the great gift that God has given to us. We want to enjoy the fact that God has promised a gift, and that gift is the Son of God. And when we look through, and we started this morning on uh, some gifts of God that God had given to us, the gifts that He gives to us on our Wednesday morning services. We did a little series, we're starting a little series on the gifts, and we looked at the grace of God that God has given to us. This morning we'll look at repentance, we'll look at faith, we'll look at Jesus Christ Himself, we'll look at the Holy Spirit of God. How wonderful that the gifts that God has given to us, but... Really, uh, a phrase that catches my eye when you get to the book of Luke, chapter number 2, you remember these things. And you remember those old reruns? Uh, You you like those old reruns and want to watch those old reruns? They get nostalgic with you. Especially around this time of year, everybody watches some of those Christmas movies uh, that it just seems like they're on all the time. They're still in black and white. It doesn't matter. You still like it. The sound is terrible, but you still enjoy them. some of you are nodding your head, some of you are nodding your head in this way. <laughs> but uh, I understand I nod my head this way a lot of the times because I get tired of some of those old movies. But I remember that, that this is, to be honest with you, reading Luke chapter number 2 is like, uh, and I don't mean to be sounding this way, but like watching one of those old nostalgic things. You remember, uh, it's just good every time you read it. It helps you every time you read it. And I, I remember uh, years ago, we used to watch a lot around our house. Y'all remember that show, Gilligan's Island? Yeah, Gilligan's Island is like remembering to watch those old reruns. You know what it's all about. You know how it ends. You know what they're going to say, but you laugh at it anyway for some reason. Yeah, you know that's what's going to happen. Amber, she used to, bless her heart, she used to call it Gilligan's Island. Well, she giggled all the way through them anyway, so I figured that's pretty a fitting name that she had. But, but when I begin to read Luke chapter number 2, it's, it brings comfort to my soul and helps me once and once again. And look at chapter number 2, verse number 8 with me. We'll start there. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came about them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Underline that all people. I like that all people, praise the Lord, because it is to all people. Verse number 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, good will toward men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time that we have set aside to be able to worship you. Lord, we've already come to you in prayer before, but God, I don't believe that we can pray too much. Lord, I believe that we can just come before you once again to be able to let our petitions be made known. But God, right now particularly, we come, Lord, that you would just touch us, Lord, during this remainder of the service. God, I pray you'd touch me as a preacher. God, I pray you'd touch me, give me the unction from the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would come down and make himself known, God, in this place during this time. Lord, I pray that he would move freely. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, deal with someone tonight, God. It, it may be in a lost and backslidden condition, God. Lord, I pray that you'd help them. Lord, I pray that, Lord, if there's one that needs to be drawn, God, I pray that you'd draw them to you. And, Lord, I pray that you would uh, save their soul, God, before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I pray that you'd help me, God, to be able to guard my mind and my mouth as I preach the word of God. Lord, may I uplift everything and edify you every step of the way. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. So I looked in these verses, and when I looked these verses, and another phrase that catches and jumps out to me is in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18. Simply it says this, I won't make you turn there. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. That little phrase, on this wise, is actually one word in the Greek phrase or the Greek uh, uh, text there that we have. <clears throat> and it simply means this, in this way. It's referring to what proceeds or what's happening there before or after. It's referring to this. So it begins to talk about and it begins to introduce so many things. It begins to introduce characters. It begins to introduce events that begin to take place. It begins to open scenes that are surrounding the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible simply says it matter-of-factly that this is how it happened. And this is no way, and the Word of God has given to us every step of the way, that we know that God is not going to lie to us, that He never will and never has lied to us, and therefore that He is going to give us the very truth around this. And why would He give us not the truth about this birth of the Savior of the world? And then so we can know and realize and real, uh, be the realization that God has given us the truth surrounding, that it is just this. Matter-of-factly, it's on this wise, it's in this way that it began to happen happen. Some of those scenes that begin to open up, and if you look in Matthew, you see that to chapter number 2, verse number 1, that star that begins to take place. According to verse number 2 in Matthew 2, it actually says that it is His star. A star that had not been seen before, and people will try to explain it away, and will try to say that there's something that Jupiter and Saturn came together, and or it was a supernova that happened, or it was something this or that that happened. Well, I believe with all of my heart that this was such a special event, that God had a special place, and a special star, and a special thing that He placed in a special place, because there was a special person that was going to be born into a special little place on a manger in Bethlehem, on on that little evening. And boy, I'm thankful that that special person, that special God, the Savior that came to my life one day when I was a six-year-old little boy, that saved my soul, that He was there. And boy, He walked the face of this earth for 33 and a half perfect years. And He did no sin. And He was the ultimate sacrifice. And He went to the cross for you and for I. Not because of sins that He had done, but because of what we had done. And we nailed Him to that cross. And so thankful. But that star that was there is absolutely amazing. He says that it's His star. It was a new star. 
A star that was absolutely amazing, that it was most brilliant and absolutely uh, most brilliant one that I believe it has ever shined. But then also thank God that, Brother James, it was a navigating star. Boy, it navigated those wise men. It showed them the direction that they were going in, the direction that they needed to go to, and it was pointing to the one. (laughs) It was pointing to the one that was special above anything else. What was one that was greater than all, one that was absolutely greater than Solomon, the Bible says. And he was greater than Jonah, the Bible says. And says that he was greater than Moses. And that's really saying something to the people of Israel. But thank God that I found that he was the better sacrifice. And he was the better one that, that could gave, give me an eternal life. And so thankful that we have opportunity. And boy, that star was pointing to that perfect sacrifice that was born in that little stable. But then not only we have a star that it introduces, but then when you get to Luke chapter number 2, look at verse number 7 with me in your text. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 7, we begin to find this, a little stable. Now some people will say that a stable was, it was a little building that was a lean-to baby. Maybe it was even just a little uh, spot in a cave that was hewn out. But all we know that that Jesus Christ was born in a little place and laid in a manger. Look at verse number 7 with me. And she brought forth her son. And may I say this. The virgin born son of God. (laughs) Mary was a special woman favored by the king. And was given an opportunity that none other will ever have the opportunity But she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. I like that word laid. It means to recline. Y'all got those lazy boys, praise the Lord. You get to, you know, you get in first gear, that's when your feet come up off the floor. And then in third gear, you start to lean back a little bit. But by the time you get to fourth gear, you're laid back and drool's coming out of your mouth and you're snoring and everything. I'm telling you. But that's what he's talking about. It's just to recline and laid him. And he just laid back in that manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. I'll be honest with you. As I look, Brother Dr. Harper, I think about this. That why in the world would those men have not? They knew. They studied the Old Testament. They studied the prophets. They knew the book of Daniel. They knew all the signs were there. They knew that it was right around the corner. I would think, why would not one of those innkeepers just keep an extra room just in case? But they didn't. There was no room for them in the inn. And we have that little manger. We have that little stable that the Son of God, that Jesus Christ Himself was born in that little manger that was there. Well, what's so special about a manger? You find a few things in a stable, Brother Earl. You find this. You find, number one, a manger. It's a a very important piece. Why? It's a feeding trough. It's a little place where you lay uh, the feed for those animals that goes uh, into that stable. And you have all those animals that are there and they go into that feeding trough and they get their nourishment from there. But how fitting is it that a little place called Bethlehem, the place of bread, would the bread of life be laid into a feeding trough, into a place that Jesus Christ was there, laid into that manger. Boy, that bread of life that we have is there. And then also when you get to a stable, a lot of times you find this also, and just trying to set the stage here for you, that they would have a manger in that that stable, but they would also have a spring in that stable. The one that would have a little water source that would be able to bring forth the water to nourish those animals, to nourish and give them that springing life. And boy, that source of water. It's no mistake that David said, how I long for the cool waters of Bethlehem. 
boy from the well and right around this area, that sweet water that he had. And, and I, Isaac was one that was digging wells in that area and David longed for it. But now there's people all over the earth. And how is it that you find that, boy, you found the bread of life in that stable, but you also found a springing water of life, a well of life within each and every one of us. As John chapter number four, that lady at the well, Brother Lonnie, he found, she found that man, that one that was that springing water of life. But then also, what do you find in a stable? You find lambs. To be honest with you, you find all sorts of all sorts of animals in a stable. I mean, what's a stable without an ornery old donkey? I'll move on. But it says that there's lambs there. There are lambs that are found in those stables. Why is there a lamb found in that stable? Because that's the place that they would keep them. But this was not just a lamb. It wasn't just a particular even. But it was the lamb of God. The lamb that was there laid into that place, to that little stable, into that manger, that springing water of life, the, the lamb that was there. It was John that said, it in John chapter number 1, 29, he said, Behold, the lamb of God. And it said it even further when we get into Revelation five twelve. it says, Worthy is the lamb. And in Revelation twelve eleven, it goes on, it says that you overcame by the blood of the Lamb. So there is the lamb that we have every step of the way, and that's the one. But then you see that star, you see that stable, and then ultimately we get to the greatest one of all, the Savior. But tucked into the middle of all of that, in this account in Luke chapter number 2, we have, as we've already read, in chapter number 2, verse number 8 through 14, we have some shepherds. You have that star that's there that's shining so brightly. And then you have that stable that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and Mary and Joseph is there. And and, and then the shepherds come along and, boy, the Savior is there. But then those shepherds get a call. Praise God. Have you ever got called in the middle of the night? I've got, I, I, well, if you're a Baptist preacher, you get calls in the middle of the night sometimes. Praise the Lord. And sometimes they're all right. And sometimes we have. But this one was a great call. To be honest with you, in the Judean culture, the shepherds were the working class people. They were the not so special ones. Here's we look at these shepherds that we have uh, here tucked in the middle of this account that we have. They were thought to be those below average people. But here we have an announcement of the king of kings and the lord of lords that's coming to what they consider to be a low class of people. You know what that tells me, Brother Earl? That means that God is for the common man. That tells me that God loves the common person. You don't have to have a certain social status or a wealth status or a status of any quo at all. You don't have anything like that in order for God to pay you attention. You can be just a lowly old person, but then God Almighty loved you and cared for you enough that He sent His only begotten Son that He would die for you and to suffer for you, but He would also raise up on the third day for you that you can have eternal life. And He's not saying, hey, I'll only save the wealthy people or I'll only save the socially uh, great people. I'll only get these uh, high class people. No, he's saying that all men come to me and I will give you rest and I will save you and I will give you salvation. And what a wonderful thought that it is to know that these shepherds, boy, they were the lowly class people of that time. But thank God, God thought enough of them to say, I want to tell you about the savior of the world. Boy, some of those shepherds were looking in the night. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how those conversations went, but I've told y'all I've had an absolutely uh, crazy, crazy uh, 
imagination. Maybe my mom dropped me on my head when I was a kid. I don't know what caused it, but uh, there's a lot of things that go through. Maybe Michelle and Mandy did something to me. It's a possibility. But, and they probably did it on purpose, Brother John. But you think about those, those things about how things would happen back then and, and how it would go forth. And I just imagine those shepherds having conversations. Uh, Brother John, how he, they would say, boy, the, the Messiah should be coming any time now. Boy, the Messiah, we've been looking for him. And it seems like God's been awfully silent for so many years, for 400 years now. We haven't heard from anything. We haven't heard at all that there was anything, but those lowly shepherds, Dr. Harper, didn't realize that God Almighty had already, glory to God, I'm getting excited in the Bible study. Uh, they'd already, he'd already stepped out off of the portals of glory. He'd already got up off his throne and walked down and passed through the Milky Way and had entered into a little womb, a virgin womb there, and was about to be birthed into this world and was about to step forth and to be able to, to be able to be known. And those shepherds were going to be the ones that would see that announcement, that great announcement that would take place, an announcement of peace, an announcement of the promise that had been promised for so many years ago and the one that we had been looking for since Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 15, that all of a sudden that promise is realized that God Almighty, God in the flesh, is now on this earth. And boy, what a wonderful thought to think that those shepherds won. And boy, they were doing everything that they could that night that they do every night. Have you ever got through those times where you were just sitting there saying, I'm just doing the same old thing? Y'all remember that commercial? I, I love it. Time to make the donuts. Mainly because I like donuts. But time to make the donuts. I'm just trying to get up and do the same thing over and over and over again. But those shepherds were beginning to do that same thing over and over once again. They were getting into the middle of the night. Boy, they were sitting there and I don't know, they might have been playing. If they were playing music, I guarantee it was bluegrass, praise the Lord. And then if they were uh, singing a good song, they were not singing Rocky Top or Roll Tide. I can promise you that. I'm sorry, Brother John, I'm joking. I'm just stepping on toes now. But they were having that time where they were spending the time and they were watching those shepherds were doing what they did every night, but it turned their lives upside down in the midst of what they were doing and in the midst of what was going on. And we could learn from these shepherds. We could learn that, boy, they were being faithful to what they were doing and God showed up in their faithfulness. And God showed up doing something that they were just continuing to do every step of the way, what they should have been doing. God had, for 400 years plus, had not said a word to anybody, but yet all of a sudden those faithful shepherds heard a message from God. And boy, on this wise, those shepherds begin to see this. And I want you to look at a few things with me. And then you see in verse number 8, I see that they were waiting. They were waiting for God right there. That they were sitting there and there, they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. It was in the middle of the night, it was in the dark season, it was in a dark time that they were beginning to sit there and, and begin to uh, ponder about those things. But then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ was showing up on the scene. And why? The shepherds were able to have a, a multitude that began to fame Him and to tell them about the wonderful news of Jesus Christ and tell those shepherds. Now, I'm sure those shepherds were looking for and, and had heard that the Messiah was supposed to come. And, but they were keeping their watch. They were keeping their watch over their flock. And they were doing that. That word keeping is actually this, to, to make sure that it's a, an isolation to, to watch over, to be on guard. Now, they were guarding something that was precious to them. 
And they were being uh, very uh, serious about what they were doing. Those shepherds were waiting and just waiting for that Messiah. And they were watching for that Messiah to come. And they were watching those sheep saying, hey, this is what you've told me to do. And boy, Brother Earl, we need to make sure that what God has told us to do, that we continue to do just what God has told us to do. Don't waver from the left or to the right, but just continue on and say, God, whatever it is that you'd have me to do, that's what I'm going to continue to do. And they were waiting there. They were watching there. They were setting forth that place, and boy, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. But thank God, I'm waiting for the Messiah to come too. I'm waiting for the Savior to come back too. I'm waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. I'm not waiting for Him to come for the first time. I'm not waiting for Him to be born in a manger. I'm not waiting for Him to be hung on a cross, Brother Earl. But I'm waiting for Him to come back in power and in glory and majesty and be able to come back and rule over this earth and have a, a time where He'll bring back His children, bring them back up out of this old sinful earth and take us to heaven and where my reservation is and where I can get to the wedding supper and, and be able to spend some time with the Lord Jesus Christ and worship Him and be able to sing out, Worthy is the Lamb. And to be able to sing out the praises of the Lamb and thankful for Him. And I'm not looking for that time for Him to come there, but I'm coming for, He's coming for me, praise God. And boy, Matthew says, watch therefore, using that same word, watch therefore that you neither know the day nor the hour wherefore the Son of Man cometh, because He is coming any day. And boy, as we look at that, I'm watching and I'm waiting just as well, but they were waiting and look at that during that time that they were, they were waiting in the night time. The night time is hard. Night time is cold. I thought I'd get an amen on that after this night. Night time is cold. The night time gets dark. The night time gets lonely. Boy, I'll be honest with you. Night time gets scary sometimes, Brother Lonnie. You don't know what's out there. You don't know what is lurking in the shadows of that dark time and that night time. But boy, it was in the night when some of the greatest messages in the Bible began to take place, Brother John. It was in the nighttime where, in Acts chapter number 16, where Paul and Silas were praying. And all of a sudden, the original jailhouse rock took place. And the greatest message was that I've come for you and you're coming with me. Praise God. Boy, a wonderful message that we have. One of the other greatest messages that you have, and you think about that I think about in the nighttime, is when Jesus is walking on the water and his disciples are there in that boat and they're trying to get to that other side and they're toiling and they're rowing and they're doing all they can to do. And boy, it was in the fourth watch of the night, the darkest part of the night, but Jesus Christ comes walking on the sea and he says, Fear not, it is I. What a wonderful message that he's giving, that he wants to dispel the fear that is even in that nighttime and in that dark time. And boy, there's times that we go into our life and dark times of our life. And boy, there's people who have suffered times where they've lost loved ones during this season. And there's going through difficult times because their health is failing during this time. And boy, there's night seasons that we go through where we feel like we don't even know if, if God even knows where we are anymore. And I, I know you're saying, Brother Shane, why would a preacher of the gospel stand up and say something like that because we're human and we're robed in flesh and there are times where we just feel like we need to fall on our knees and beg God and ask God, where are you? I need you right now. Boy, those dark times, those difficult times that you have in your life, those night seasons. Paul even was spoken to by the angel in Acts chapter number 18. 
In Acts chapter number 18, verse number 9, the Bible says this way, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set uh, on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And Paul was getting this message from the angel of the Lord, and it was in that night hours that God will make himself known. And boy, he made himself known to those shepherds, and he's made himself known to me, glory to God. When I've been going through those difficult times in my life, he made himself known in that night season. But some of the most wonderful messages, like I said, do, do happen during that night season. I want you to notice in Luke chapter number ten, verse or chapter number two, verse number ten. Look at the message that during this night season these shepherds received. This message. What is the message they received? The angel of the Lord said unto them, "What are those first words? Fear not." Now you remember back in Acts chapter number eighteen, what did the angel of the Lord tell Paul: "Be not afraid." Fear not. When he's walking on the sea, what does he tell them? Fear not. I want you to notice that most every time that the Lord comes on the scene, in the middle of our darkest hour, and the darkest times of our lives, he dispels the fear in our life. Because he is the one that shows up. He is the one that comes forth. And I notice that that's dispelling that fear, but... What is that good tidings that we have? The good tidings is the Son of God has been born. Look at that verse with me. Fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings. Because the Son of God is right there on the scene. And what is that great joy? The great joy shall be to all people. Thank God that great joy is that salvation is now come. Salvation is walking upon the face of the earth. We don't have to look forward to that. We can look back to that, but praise God, we can praise God that we don't have to wait for salvation. We just have to wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can receive salvation tonight, but also they were waiting. But I want you to look at this in verse number 15 and 16. They worshipped. The shepherds dropped everything. Now, I don't know what happened to the sheep on that hillside that night. The Bible doesn't tell us that. And be honest with you, maybe the angels that said, hey guys, y'all, we got this. Y'all go ahead and take care of, go see Jesus. Maybe, I don't know. Like I said, I got a wild imagination. But, but I don't know what happened there, but they dropped everything. Why? Because they heard about the Savior. They heard about Jesus Christ. They wanted straight to find Jesus Christ himself. Look at verse number 15 with me. And it came to pass. As the angels were going away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go Or let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Once again, I'm glad that when God reveals himself to us that we can go straight to him. We can go straight to Him and let Him know that, God, I need You, and God, I'm, help, I'm helpless without You. And then all of a sudden, we can begin to worship Him, and boy, He can adore the worship that we can give to Him, and the adoration that we give to Him, and so thankful that I don't have to go through somebody else. I don't have to ask permission from somebody in the church house to be able to... I don't have to come to this place, praise God. I don't have to go to this altar. I can fall down on my knees wherever I am and go to my Heavenly Father. I can and go and begin to worship God Almighty. 
Boy, those shepherds went straight to Jesus Christ and they engaged hastily. They made sure that they went as fast as they could. They didn't wait for somebody else to ask them to go. They didn't say, I'll wait until uh, somebody is able to replace me and take my place here. Or No, they said, absolutely, I've heard about Jesus Christ. I want to go see Jesus Christ. I want to go worship Jesus Christ. So the only thing that was on their mind at that time was, I want to go worship the King of Kings. I want to go worship the Lord of Lords. Boy, they heard the good news and they made it. They wanted to go straight and worship God. And they came with haste, the Bible says, verse 16, found them there. But I want you to notice this, that they came with empty hands. Boy, when we think about this, you go ahead, mom and dad have one of those nativity scenes. And we have one, uh, they have it out in their front yard. We have one on a table and... And we, we see it all together, and, and it didn't quite happen like that. I understand that we kind of put it all and mix mumbled everything together, but, but we think we see that uh, the, the shepherds are sitting there and the wise men over there, and they have their gifts, and they have everything, but the shepherds didn't have anything to bring. They were the common folk. They were the people like me when I was a six-year-old little boy that didn't have but pocket fuzz to offer. I didn't have a nickel. I didn't have a dime. I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything that I could offer to Jesus Christ for my salvation, Brother Shane. But I, I could tell him this, that I, I give my life to you. I give myself to you. And I just want to worship you. I just want to... Boy, those shepherds, they didn't have anything at all. They didn't have anything at all. I'm sure they didn't have that wealthy. But they, they had nothing but praise to bring to him. There's a lot of times where we think, boy, I need to bring something to God. I need to give something to God. Well, why can't we just praise Him? We sing the song, praise Him, praise Him. This evening we should praise Him. To God be the glory. We need to just praise Him. Sometimes we don't need to worry about how we're, we're in a, a, the fixes that we're in. We just need to say, God, I'm just here to worship you. I'm just here to tell you I love you. I just want to tell you, thank you for what you have done in my life. And boy, with empty hands that I come. But look at verse number 20 with me. They had nothing but praise to bring for him. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 20. The Bible says this, And the shepherds returned (coughs) glorifying and praising God. For all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was as it was told unto them. See, they weren't like those wise men that were able to bring gifts, but they brought themselves. They just gave everything that they had. Boy, it reminds me of the songwriter says that nothing to my, in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Well, you look at these things, it is absolutely amazing that they worship God no matter what. They didn't have anything other than themselves to offer, but glory to God. That's all that God asked for us to do is just give us, give me yourself. Not only did they worship, not only did they wait for God right then, but then they began to witness. Look with me at the very end. Look at, I want you to read, well, skim over with me with these verses. Look at verse number 10. You know, they didn't say, wow, what a service. They didn't say, wow, this was great. Boy, I, I, I wish they, all the services could be like that. That was a great worship service. And we've had some awesome worship services here at our church. And I, I'm thankful for that. But they didn't go out and say, boy, I hope we come back next week and be something like that again. They, they took it with them. You get that? 
they took their worship with them. <coughs> and they began to witness because of what they had worshipped. And so many times we as church members come into the house of God and we worship and we enjoy what we have, but we leave our worship here and we forget to go witness when we go out there. And we need to be that witness. The Great Commission started even right here before the Great Commission was ever given. These shepherds started the Great Commission going and telling everybody that Jesus has come. The Savior has come. The Savior of the world is now here. The Messiah is here. But I want you to look, read our text. Look at skim over verse number 10 with me. It says, I will bring you. Verse number 11 says, unto you is born. Verse number 12 says, a sign unto you. This seems to be a very personal message that these angels were giving to these shepherds. Unto you, unto you, unto you, unto you. But then when we get to verse number 15, it says this, Let us, Lord hath made known unto us, in verse number 20, these things that we need to go. That message that was so personal to them, God could have wrote on the walls of, of, of any place that He wanted to that night to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. He had written on walls before. He could have parted seas and, and written in, in, in the sands of, of time and be able to see things. He could have wrote it in the skies, out into the stars. He could have done any way, but he chose to give a message personally to these shepherds. And then the shepherds, it was up to them to go and be witnesses for that, that uh, witness that they had had. Look, look at what if they had kept that message to themselves? Look at what they would have done. Look at verse number 17 in chapter number 2. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They didn't keep it to themselves. They didn't say, well, that was good. That was a great message. I'm glad that they gave that to us, but I'm not going to tell anybody. No, they went out and they told somebody, hey, do you know that the Savior's here? Did you know the Messiah's here? Did you know that Jesus Christ is born? Did you know that Emmanuel, Christ, God, He is here with us? God Almighty is now with us now. Boy, they were exhilarated. They were excited. They enjoyed the message that they had been given. Look at verse number 18. And they all, uh, and all that they had heard, it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Boy, I, I'll be honest with you. Some of, some of the people say that your, your, your attitude is contagious. How many of you could believe that your attitude is contagious? I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that if I get excited about Jesus Christ, then other people will get excited about Jesus Christ. If I get excited about baseball, other people will get excited about baseball. If I get excited about whatever, you just go ahead and plug whatever. And then you have an influence or somebody has an influence on you. Whatever, they get excited. And your attitude about that thing, it is contagious to you. Why don't we get contagious with Jesus? Why don't we get so contagious that people say, I can't help but praise Him when I'm around them. When I go to Harvest Baptist Tabernacle, I can't help but go, whoop. When I go and spend time with the people of God, I can't help but get excited because they are so excited about their salvation that I am excited about 
what God has done for me, what God has done for me in my life. They were so excited about those things. But so is your witness throughout all of the earth that if you are contagious with your witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, everybody around you will catch it and will love it and will enjoy it. Boy, we can't save everybody in the world, but we can tell everybody about Jesus Christ in the world and give a witness out that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But they, were, they had an excellent witness. They had an effective witness. And all that they had heard in verse number 18 and wondered of those things which were told them by the shepherds. That word wondered means that they were amazed. See, our witness should be so excellent that it amazes people. Several times in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter number 9, Saul, who then becomes Paul, is given a message. He's given a testimony. And he uses that testimony a couple of more times throughout the book of Acts. Your testimony is a powerful testimony. Because God has given you that testimony for you a specific reason. And you should share that testimony to witness the Lord Jesus Christ with all that we have and amaze people with what it is. And it's just to stay true to God's word and and just be amazing in the presence of other people because of your witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we learn from these? What is it when the rubber meets the road? These shepherds completely gave everything. They gave everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. They gave it all. They even gave everything, but they left the field, but they went to find God. It was a message that stirred them. It moved them so much that they said, I want to do something about that. See, the ears of the shepherds were in tune to hear that message, I believe, that night, Dr. Harper. I believe that night that those shepherds had been waiting and wanting and waiting to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah to come down. I heard a story of two men, two men that was walking along a city bitty, sizzy, uh, city block and they were spending some time and then one of them said, do you hear a cricket? He said, there's no way, this friend said, there's no way you can hear a cricket in the middle of all this traffic and all these people walking around and talking and all this, phones are ringing, there's no way you can hear a cricket. He says, no, I, I hear a cricket. Do you hear that cricket? He says, there's no way. And then he leans over, he goes to a stone, he picks a stone up and reveals that little cricket. Begins to realize, and he says, no, I'll tell you, what, what happens is, is I listen for those specific sounds. I listen for sounds of nature, even when I'm in the middle of things. And what you're in tune to hear is what you will hear. Um, I want to ask you tonight, what are you in tune to hear, even from the message that God gives to us tonight? A little bit, a few minutes later, Brother Earl, that same man took a quarter out of his pocket and he dropped it on the ground. And as it hit the ground, a lot of people started grabbing their pockets because their ears were in tune to hear that. Your ear is in tune to hear a message tonight. And boy, certainly we can spend time to tune our ears into spiritual things. Be able to hear that, boy, I'm waiting and I'm watching for the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, I I'm, I'm want to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I want to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. What is that message that you hear tonight? What are you listening for? Because I guarantee you, God's speaking. God's wanting to do business with each and every one of us. 
just depends on what we want to hear, what we want to listen to. Boy, I just want to be like these shepherds. I want to be like these shepherds and say, wow, I want to see the Savior. Well, I want to worship the Savior. I want to go witness for the Savior. I want to watch for the Savior every step of the way. Boy, tonight we ought to get ready. Watch for Him. He's coming soon. Worship Him because He is here. And witness for Him because our time is short. And we need to tell a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ is coming again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for today.